Welcome to the podcast of Scott Street MB Church. We hope you find this message inspiring and encouraging in your walk as a disciple of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's a joy to be together here on uh, the week before Valentine's Day. It's, it's February. I'm not sure where the year is running, but it's, uh, the days seem to go by so quickly. Our scripture this morning reminds us um, that Christ suffered for doing good. And it says that we are to follow in his steps. Jesus left us an example that we should follow in his footsteps. And the footsteps are important to us here at Scott Street Church. Uh, for our 75th anniversary, you might remember we had the, the poster out back with the, the, the boot print in it, following the footsteps of Christ for 75 years. We talked about the journey that God has had us on as a church and as believers. And, and um, God has led us all. All of us here in the sanctuary today and, and um, those watching around the world. But in particular here in St. Catharines, we have this unique journey. God has led us here to this place, to this church, to this city. Now today is the first Sunday in Black History Month here in Canada. And I want to speak this morning about footsteps, footprints, and about some, a great African leader, um, and about God leading our footsteps here. Um, Sarah and I moved to Africa um, going on 30 years ago. We lived there for, for more than 10 years, and we came to love Kenya, where we lived, and the people, the language. Uh, we tried to learn to live in the ways of, of African life and, uh, and to appreciate um, the African mind and family and faith. So much to learn. I remember one of the first times Sarah and I were living right downtown Nairobi in this little flat. So we weren't out in the bush to start. We were right in the city, big city of Nairobi. And I saw a crowd outside. We were, I think, we were on the second floor of this uh, flat. This, um, and so I went out to see what the crowd was doing, and, and they were singing. And it sounded like this. They said, Nyayo, Nyayo, Funga, Funga. And they kept going, Nyayo, Nyayo. And I was wondering... I was just fresh there. I didn't have any idea what nyayo meant. So I asked someone, and they said, nyayo means footprints, in the footprints. And, and, um, and I didn't know what footprints the people were talking about. And, and where do these footprints lead? And, and what is this nyayo? Well, nyayo indeed means footprints. Uh, David, do we have that, the, the, the little nyayo picture there? Oh, this is, this is Nyayo, I'll get there. Um, so uh, the footprints were the footprints of the, the leader of Kenya. His name was Jomo Kenyatta. And he was the man who brought about independence and, and democracy to Kenya. And the footprints were the footprints of Jomo Kenyatta. Not the footprints of the man, but the footprints of his belief systems. Kenyatta, uh, this young Kenyan man, grew up as a normal Kenyan boy, a Kikuyu by training and by tribe, and uh, Sarah and I, we spent a fair bit of time in Kikuyu land. Uh, he was a boy who grew up to be dynamic and strong and, and ended up being the leader of this nation. He trained as a carpenter, interestingly, and then later became a lawyer. The young Kenyatta suffered from something called jiggers, at 10 years of age, I don't know, we don't have jiggers here. You get jiggers if you're in fields where pigs have been, and, and they're, they're, they're a little bug, and they get under your toenails, and they lay um, eggs. 
and it's, and it's so painful. And so when the little legs start coming out, your toes turn red and you can hardly walk. Well, Kenyatta could hardly walk. And someone said, well, you've got to go to the, to the, the missionary clinic and have those jiggers taken care of. So he went to uh, a mission station in the dry lands of Kenya, and he met a white person for the first time. He met a, a missionary doctor, and they were kind to him, and they did the, the little surgery to, to, to heal his feet. And, um, and he found something he hadn't found before there. He found peace, and interestingly, he found Christ, and he became a believer. He then went back to, to a missionary school and, and, and trained um, in the ways of Christ. And um, he felt a calling, a calling to serve God in East Africa. And he became the very first African leader in the country of Kenya. In 1964, he became president. And he helped Kenya to become the most stable and, and successful of African nations. Um, now, it wasn't an easy journey. He was put in prison for nine years uh, because of his desire for the freedom of, uh, of the nation from the colonial rulers. He was accused of being a terrorist and put in jail for nine years. He worked hard to bring the country to the point of self-rule. I don't know if you remember, but Britain were the colonial rulers over many, many nations, including Canada. We were a, a colonized nation. So we have something in common with Kenya. Um, and the Britain colonizers, they, they built Kenya and they built roads and they, they tried to bring all these good things to Kenya, but they also brought um, political and economic um, dominion. They ran the country. They were the rulers of the country. And they were particularly fond of Kikuyu land, where Jomo Kenyatta was from. And so they took the good farmland. And it was beautiful, cool land, and um, they took what they wanted, all these ancestral lands of these African people. It was ruled for 67 years. Kenya was ruled for 67 years by Britain. And our African brothers and sisters said, enough is enough. And Jomo Kenyatta in particular said, it's time for Africans to rule Africa. When Africans, my Kenyan friends come here and they see on our money that sometimes we still have the queen on our money, they say we need to get independence too. You know, you can't believe you still have the queen on your money. It was time for the country to come together under Jomo Kenyatta to unite for an independent African nation run by Africans. So there's basically two ways to bring about independence in this kind of situation. Civil war, which is divisive and people die, or by non-violent means. And Jomo Kenyatta decided not to use violence. He decided to use nyayo. Tap, tap, tap. Nyayo. The footprints. And now we can show that other one, David. The footprints of... Uh, keep going. That one. The footprints. Jomo Kenyatta had three nyayo principles. The first principle, amani, peace. The second principle, upendo, love. The third principle, umoja, unity. Peace, love, unity. The steps to bringing freedom to this land. As a godly leader, he brought about change not by power and oppression. He focused on the nyayo principles, amani, upenda, umoja, 
Kenyatta said, here's a quote from him. We now live in an era, an era of nyayo. I hear that there are a few people who sometimes seem to wonder just where this nyayo is leading. Well, the answer is simple. These footprints, this nyayo leads towards peace, love, and unity. This peace, love, and unity are not slogans or vague philosophies. They are practical foundations of countrywide development. And for me, peace, love, and unity are the ways of Christ. I don't think Kenyatta came up with these principles by himself. He came up with them as he followed the footprints of Jesus Christ. These three great principles of this African leader are, in fact, principles of our loving Lord Jesus Christ, who today told us to walk in his footprints from our, our um, scripture reading that might include suffering. What did Jesus say about Amani, about peace? John 14, he says, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. I do not give it to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Don't be afraid. Peace. Can you say it with me? Amani. Amani. It's a beautiful word. Some, you might hear people who are called Amani. Peace. The next one, Upendo. Upendo, Galatians 5, 6, for in Jesus Christ neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself in love. Oh, I better teach you some Swahili here. I better teach you some. Uh, do this. Na means I. Na. Na. Say it with more. Na. And this one, ku. That means you. Ku. Ku. So na is me. Ku is you. Penda. 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 It's supposed to be, supposed to be the heart. Is that right? No. There. <laughs> what a, what a doughhead. It's Valentine's week. Come on, I got to get this right. So say it with me. Na, ku, panda. One more time. Na, ku, panda. Beautiful. So when you, the next time you meet someone from any of the 400 million Swahili speakers, come up to them and say, na, ku, panda. They will be so freaked out. It will be, it will be wonderful. Na, ku, panda. Love is a key principle of Jesus Christ. Lastly, umoja. Moja means one. Umoja is the state of oneness, unity. Umoja. John 17, 20, Jesus prayed, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they, that means us, those who love Jesus, be in us so that the world may believe that you sent me. I have given them the glory you gave me that they may be one, that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me. May they be brought to complete unity. Why? To let the world know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Unity is a powerful, powerful footstep. God wants us to live in unity. He wants us to follow in his footsteps of suffering, of peace and love and unity. These principles are important to us. Many of us have come to Canada following footprints for previous generations. We've come from Ukraine, from Russia, from Germany, from Poland, from Paraguay and Brazil, Uruguay, Colombia, El Salvador, Haiti, Zambia, all over the world. Each family taking footsteps that took us on a long journey to this frozen place called St. Catharines of all places. God brought us here. And we say, thank you, Lord. Amen? Amen, Amen for this place. 
Well, St. Catherine's is a very important place, and it's been a safe place for people to call home. Before most of our families came to St. Catharines, St. Catharines became home for people who were escaping slavery. This month is African History Month in Canada, and in St. Catharines we have a rich and important part to play in African history in Canada. Where did the first African ice hockey team come from? St. Catharines. These, this is the St. Catharines Orioles, the first all-African hockey team in Canada. Uh, that's only appropriate. I don't know how they felt coming from Africa, where the, we don't really have much ice, but uh, you come to St. Catharines, you got to learn to play hockey. Interestingly, St. Catharines has an important role in African history in Canada. 1793 in uh, what was called Upper Canada, now called Canada, uh, a law called the Act to Limit Slavery. 1793, a law was written to abolish slavery in Canada. So as Canadians, we can be proud that even well back in 1793, as a country, as a nation, we knew slavery was wrong. Slavery was in the United States until 1863, going on, you know, 100 years later. 70 years and more. Um, many of our American friends, the slaves wanted freedom, and for that they looked to Canada. Slaves were taught to follow the North Star, to set your feet to the north, they were told. And what did that mean? Set your feet towards Canada, towards freedom. Canada meant freedom. They were told to get on the Underground Railroad. Now, an underground railroad is not a railroad. It is people, a network of Christians, of people who hid and guided slaves as they fled slavery in the United States and came to Canada. And the underground railroad ended where? Right here. Can you believe it? St. Catharines was home, the end of the underground railway. Uh, the Canadian part of the Underground Railway began at Freedom Crossing. Next picture. That's a, there's a, I don't know if you can see it very well, but they're handing a child from one boat to another boat. Now, that, um, that statue is in Lewiston, so it, it's right across from uh, Queenston. So it's just, just across the, Niag the Niagara River from us. What would happen is that the slaves would come at night, and the U.S. little boats would come to the middle of Niagara River, and you know the Niagara River is just moving there. And the Canadian boats would meet them in the middle, and they would transfer children, families, men and women, seeking freedom, the last dangerous step to come to a land of freedom. It's called Freedom Crossing. And we should go there one day, take a bus and, and see this place. And when they came across the river, where did they head they headed for a church. They headed for a church called Salem Chapel. It's still here today, now called Zion Baptist Church at the corner of Geneva and North Street. You know it. It's, it's the B&E Church. That's, originally it was B&E Salem Church. And now it's Zion Baptist, British Methodist Episcopal. That's what it was originally called. And that was their home. The slaves could come and find freedom here. They would look for this chapel, still here today. 
The church has always been a home for refugees, for those seeking shelter, for people needing care. And here in St. Catharines, they, they headed to this church. And at that church was a woman called Harriet Tubman for 10 years. Harriet Tubman um, welcomed, there she is there, welcomed uh, slaves to St. Catharines and helped them find a place to live and, and jobs. And Now what she would do, there's Harriet again, she would go down into the United States and she would help them to develop the Underground Railway, to find people, to help the slaves to find freedom. And then bring them up to St. Catharines. She herself was a slave who arrived in St. Catharines in 1851 as a group of 11 escaped slaves. And then she started bringing other slaves to a land of freedom, a land of hope, to Canada and to St. Catharines. There's a story in the Globe newspaper that was written about a story about Harriet Tubman as they came across the suspension bridge in Niagara Falls. She told the people that she was bringing across, shout, you can shout, you're free. And then some of them bent down and kissed the ground here in Queenston and said, this is free soil. This is free soil. What an incredible place we live in. While some moved on to other parts of Canada, many of uh, Tubman's, uh, the people that she helped, including her own family members, remain in St. Catharines to this day. They found employment in those early days as carpenters and builders, coach drivers, farmers and cooks, and they made successful lives. What a unique history we have here in St. Catharines. And God has put us here. He has brought our footsteps here. This city has welcomed the slave, the refugee, the needy from around the world for many generations. St. Catharines became home to the slaves starting in 1830. St. Catharines became home to my family in 1850 when we fled Ireland because of the potato famine. St. Catharines became home to you and your families in the 1920s and the 1940s as you left your Uruguay and Paraguay and, and Russia and all the journey that you took in the 1920s and 40s, and you came here to a place of safety, a safe place of refuge. And St. Catharines has become home to, to many people even now. Are Isaac and Angela here today? Stand up, you two. A couple weeks ago from Zambia, Isaac and Angela uh, have moved into the area. You're welcome. Welcome. Isaac's on the right. Angela, welcome. They've come here to, to find a place to live, and they, they've come to our church to find a church home. God is still bringing people here. What is our responsibility as a church family? Well, I think we continue to need to walk in those footsteps of peace, of love, of unity. Let's follow Christ and make our church, our city, and our country a place where Christ lives and the light of Christ lives through us and shines in our community. Amen. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, you've led us on a journey. You've brought us to this place, St. Catharines, and we say thank you. You have led us to a home where our children can grow up with security, where there is food, health care, friends and family, where we can worship freely, 
Father, we say thank you. Thank you for leading our footsteps here. Father, may we overflow with peace, being peacemakers in our homes and schools, families and our communities. May we overflow with love, that that same strong love that brought you to the cross would live in us as we serve and care for others, as we welcome new people, new men and women to this city, to this country. Father, may we overflow with unity. May the world look at us, your church, how we care for one another, how we care for the weak, how we grieve with those who grieve, how we share in each other's successes. Father, may they see the unity that we have and be drawn to you. Father, hear our prayer and thank you in Christ's name. Amen. listening. For any questions about the message or to contact any of our pastors, please visit scottstreetchurch.ca.